Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. A few days ago, Lauren and I went to an antique store. It was gigantic. It was really an antique mall. And I bought something. I'm going to tell you about what I bought in this podcast in a bit. But first, I want to um, to bring up kind of an interesting subject that uh, pops up from time to time when I start talking to people about the way they feel regarding the paranormal. And what I mean is that I know plenty of people who do not like to go into antique stores or be around antiques. And these are people who say that some sort of psychic sensitivity is too receptive to the energy coming off of these things. And so, uh, to many people uh, who have this sense, these objects, uh, they seem kind of, um, well, creepy or gross. And, and I get that. I get that, you know, you don't know what the history of all these things are, and, and they all just kind of come crushing in on you when you're walking through these little cramped antique stores. And I can see why that if you're sensitive to energy, that a lot of these objects, yeah, would have some kind of unpleasant energy clinging to them. Uh, This goes back to what is called um, psychometry, which is the ability to sense the, the history of an object by touching it or being around it. And some people claim that they can get very specific, vivid flashes of imagery and dates and names and like really detailed information from just being around an object. And I have always heard that uh, it's kind of like a little insider's secret that some of the most successful antique dealers have this sort of psychic ability and they're able to use it to determine which objects have a, a more substantial valuable history and how to sort of turn that into a marketing point so some people just do not like to go into antique stores i love going into antique stores uh should be pretty obvious i am a guy who owns a museum so i'm always interested in um, objects that represent something about the past and so usually if I go to a new town and I see an antique store, I'll go in and look around. Now, 90% of the time I don't buy anything um, because uh, there are very few things in this material world that uh, I actually think are, are interesting that sort of trigger something to do with the, the subjects that, that interest me, you know, something paranormal or, or mysterious or occult or something that has a real historical provenance and and those things are hard to come by i mean you don't usually just luck upon something like that it's something that has to be um put into an auction so i don't usually buy things um to me it's just free form of entertainment go have a glass of wine walk through an antique store you just never know what you're going to see it's fun so it doesn't bother me but there are other people of course who are so infatuated with antiques that they just have to surround themselves with antiques and they they want to live in an old house. Do you know somebody like that? 
someone who just, oh, look at this old house. I want to live here. I want to live in an old house that has all this personality and all this charm and all of this, you know, whatever the legacy and history is. They love being in an old building. I do not feel that way. I prefer to live in a brand spanking new space. Uh, it, by the time, I, it won't take long. Once I get nested in there, it'll start looking old pretty fast, I assure you. <laughs> um, I like things brand spanking new and convenient. And uh, old old houses, you know, they, they, they're very well made in most cases, of course. But um, they also, they're full of all kinds of problems just waiting to explode at any moment. And it is true. It is true that old houses are usually much more haunted than new houses. It, it is possible for a new house to be haunted because I think that in many cases, ghostly activity is not just about the physical structure. It's about the block of space-time that you're wandering around within. So it's about something that's sort of imprinted or stuck within that spot within that fabric and structures may go up and down come and go but uh, it's not going to change what's sort of burned into that spot to some extent so I do not like the idea of living in an old house and I will tell you that the oldest house I ever lived in was also the most haunted house I've ever lived in I want to tell you a little bit about this real quick Lauren and I lived in this um, small but nice little house that was built in the early 1900s, way out in the countryside of Alexander, North Carolina. And this is in the western part of the state in the mountains. It's not too far from Asheville, but it's, it's out there. Um, beautiful, beautiful place, but uh, there's nothing there other than just miles of rolling meadows and um, scenic vistas and, and ridges and so I mean it's one of those things like when you go to the grocery store you really stock up in the winter time you don't know when you're going to be going in or out I almost died a couple of times I don't know if you've ever been in a car if a four uh, let's see this was well this was yeah it didn't matter if it was a four-wheel drive this was uh, I think I was in a Jimmy a GMC Jimmy Ever been behind the wheel and have your car at the bottom of a hill just do a complete 360-degree spin on ice where you have no control? That is some scary shit. So anyway, um, it was it was a very rural you know, environment. And so she and I lived in this little house. And uh, I can tell you so many spooky things that happened there. I mean, it, that, that should probably be its own podcast, but... Lauren and I both saw things. We were we would get shoved in the middle of the night. Uh, this was the house where I was awakened because a big black snake came slithering into my bed with me. Um, I wrote about that in one of my books. And we also had a dog that died in that house. And then the house was haunted by the dog as well. I mean, it, it was just amazing how much ghostly st- uh, stuff was going on there. And and I think I was enhancing it 
because I, at the same time, was doing experiments in this house constantly using, you know, high voltage apparatus in order to sort of rattle the energy environment. And when you when you break up and shake around the energy environment a little bit more, you give it an opportunity to more easily rearrange itself into a flexible medium that spiritual energies can use to interface. So it's like you know taking something that's sitting there solid, and then you shake it up, and now all of a sudden the pieces are able to get some more dynamic energy. And uh, and things get to manifest. So I could tell you a lot of ghost stories about what happened in that house. And um, right next door uh, to the house was a church. And right across the street was a graveyard. And it was a nice, quiet, peaceful little place. Here we are with the church. We never went to that church, but the church was there. The graveyard was there. And yes, there were times where I would go out in the middle of the night and I'd walk over to that graveyard and I'd walk around you know three o'clock in the morning by myself I wouldn't tell anybody where I was I'd just walk around and I never never saw a ghost out there but uh the landlord because we rented the whole time we were there we were there for a number of years but we always rented it so the landlord uh lived more or less next door and uh, he was a bachelor and his uh, his grandfather had built that house so this had always been in his family and the landlord had a son and uh we'll just call the son will okay and and he was pretty young probably 13 14 years old and so um they were real nice folks i mean the landlord was great about coming over and doing maintenance and keeping things up and keeping everything looking nice he liked to get on his riding lawnmower and then his son would always like to get out on his four-wheeler and you know will like i say we'll call him will would you get out on his four-wheeler and he they had trails in the woods and stuff but everybody was always really real nice and sort of minded their own business so we had all this you know spooky stuff happening ghostly things where the doors would fly open and objects would fly around and there were a number of occasions where uh lauren saw shadowy forms running around the house i mean like all this stuff went on for years so fast forward um just a few years ago lauren and i were back in Asheville. our lives have now moved on dramatically i mean this was a long time ago when we lived in that house and so lauren and i went into a uh, a bar, a very popular bar restaurant in Asheville, and the bar was pretty packed out. And we turn around, and there's this big, strapping young guy standing there. Uh, had a very uh, rollicking kind of demeanor, tattoos and everything. And he goes, "Man, you know who I am?" And uh, no, he goes, "Hey, I'm Will." I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, really? You know, he he was the kid. He was the little kid, the landlord's son that would, you know, like I say, ride his four-wheeler and stuff outside. And so Lauren and I are like, oh, great to see you. I'm like, Boy, you know, you're, you're a man now. And so uh, we start talking to him, and he's he's telling me all these interesting stories about the property there that I didn't, I'd never heard before. And he says, you know, he goes, I know everything about what you do, talking to me. You know, he's, he's saying, like, he knows that I do ghost research and stuff. And he goes, 
Do you know what used to happen in that house that you guys lived in before you lived in it? But my dad did not ever want us to talk about it. And I said, no, what? And he said, that little church that was next door to that house used to hold wakes. And a wake was an old southern tradition where before you buried a body, you'd let it sit for a day, a night, maybe even a couple of days in a room. And people would come in and they'd sit around with this dead body. And historically, my recollection is that they used to do this so that everybody could make sure the person was actually dead. Because, you know, there have been certain illnesses in the past that make it look like you're dead, but in the absence of sophisticated medical technology, you might be mistaken for dead when there's actually a little life in there. You're in some kind of a deep coma. And that's why that, of course, you go back to some of these old graveyards and there's literally a bell that is mounted around the tombstone with a string that would go down into the casket. And that was so that if by chance this person woke up in the grave then the person could start yanking the the string and ringing the bell and that's where we have the term dead ringer that's where that comes from so awake was you know it served a lot of purposes uh, part partially emotional uh, but but this was a very practical reason to like to sit there like let's make sure grandma is 100 percent dead before we throw her in this box and bury her in the so that was common that was common practice he told us and he said that his dad had just boxes with stacks of polaroids of dead people who were lying there in the middle of our living room hundreds of people over the years and that uh <laughs> The, the, we basically were living in a funeral home is what it boils down to all that time and I actually did have a friend a long time ago who worked in a funeral home and so I have some funeral home stories including the night that I was in the funeral home when the power went out and uh, in the course of stumbling around I touched a dead man's face that's always uh, an interesting uh, unexpected surprise but anyway again another story for another day so uh he told us yeah you were in this house with where thousands of people have mourned over the years where you know hundreds of people have been put on display of some kind or another you know corpses um and it was like wow all that set in and it really just sort of made sense to us why that house was so haunted i could tell you even more specifically you know where it was and all that but i want somebody lives there today and i'm pretty darn sure that person has no idea uh that that house <laughs> was used like that you know about a year later we found out that uh will was dead when we saw him, he was probably, I don't know, in his early 20s. 
and he'd been killed in a motorcycle accident. He was on the motorcycle, and, um, you know, he always liked to get out there and have a good time on, like I say, four-wheelers and stuff like that. So that's pretty sad, and who knows? Maybe that's just another part of the deathly energy that surrounded that particular house. It's kind of weird as you go through life and you start looking at all these people who are younger than you that die for one reason or another, whether it's an accident or it's a health issue. Um, it's weird, and it makes you realize just how grateful you should be to have, um, I guess, the physical fortune to enjoy all that life has to offer. So that's probably part of the reason that I don't like the idea of living in an old house. I prefer something that's new because it might still be haunted, but it's less likely to be haunted because the structure itself is not the identical structure that's been absorbing that kind of energy over and over and sort of polarizing it and magnetizing it. Uh, That's how, at least I think of it, it's kind of like when you take an iron nail and uh, you try to pick up a paper clip with it and nothing happens, but then you take a magnet and you stroke that magnet over that iron nail in the same direction about 20 times and now it's magnetized and you can take that nail and pick up a paper clip and it's because that structure has now had its um, its molecular arrangement altered and you've polarized the positive and negative poles and so to that extent um, I think maybe something similar happens in haunted places where you have a certain structure that stands there and it uh, absorbs a certain frequency over and over and over and eventually that becomes imprinted there and at least when you tear that down and you throw it away and you start with something new it's not going to have that same uh, fingerprint so to speak but when I go to an antique store I'm always looking for something that might be an item that absorbed some kind of energy that I would like to bring into my world, bring into my home or my museum or whatever. And so, as Lauren and I, a few days ago, were walking through this big mall, and it, and, and this is an antique place in Las Vegas, so it's really interesting. You never know what you're going to come across like we at one thing I bought was a little roulette wheel um you know there's a lot of classic kind of Vegasy stuff that people are always on the lookout for but anyway we're walking through and Lauren was the first one to notice this little yellow cardboard tube that's sitting there I'm going to say this is maybe like I don't know 7 inches tall seven or eight inches tall and uh, you can you can see an old label on it and it says in kind of faded orangish writing Chi Chi Chinese fortune teller and then it and then the whole thing looks like it's full of wooden sticks that remind me of thin popsicle sticks and at first, we think this is some kind of Yi Jing thing. And, and actually, it is very similar to that. But 
it was in a display case and I start taking a closer look at it and I realize that this is actually a vintage uh, fortune telling kit that is from the year 1915 so this is 103 years old and um, it says Chi Chi Chinese fortune teller the oldest known method of fortune telling in the world copyright 1915 the Pacific Dry Goods Company San Francisco California which makes sense because there were a lot of people from China who went to um, the San Francisco area you know to, to work and so I am enough of an historian I can tell when something looks like it's from you know such and such year not to mention you can smell it I used to have a couple of these uh, original Edison wax phonograph cylinders because you know before there were were records which are shaped like discs um, you had cylinders wax cylinders and I used to go over to Bill Banner's house uh, who was a good friend of mine he was in his 80s by the time I met him I think late 70s and uh, he used to work at WLOS News 13 there in Asheville for I think 40 years or something I don't know he's buried now in Riverside Cemetery broadcasting pioneer and we used to sit around and listen to Victrolas and stuff and he was the one who started really introducing me to a lot of these old Edison recordings and this cardboard yellow tube from 1915 it it looks like and smells like one of the containers that those old Edison phonograph cylinders would be kept in so I uh, asked for one of the uh, employees to come and open the case for me so I could take a closer look at this and on the side it has a little illustration of a man in a suit and it looks like he's taking this box of popsicle sticks and he's sort of shaking it and here's what the directions say hold box as an illustration shake with a snappy downward motion and keep on shaking don't stop until just one stick drops out and the number one stick will be your fortune as described in the accompanying book if more than one stick should drop out shake over again so yes indeed it has this little faded yellowed instruction book and uh so cool you know you can tell this is from 1915 and so I was like okay I gotta have this so I bought it so when we got it back home well I couldn't wait to try it out and so uh, we got it on the counter and here here is um, one of the things that I, I thought was really cool about it Okay, if you pull out, like I've got it in my hand right now, so this is the sound it makes. So, like, if you if you're gonna shake one of these out, this this is the sound. And I wish you could smell what I'm smelling. It's such a pleasant old. It smells like an old attic. 
keep hitting my microphone, sorry. But the coolest thing is, when you take one of these sticks out, and there are 78 of these sticks, someone around 1915 sat down with a fine-pointed pen, an ink pen, and wrote the number on each one of these sticks. Isn't that amazing? Like, nowadays, a product like this would have everything pre-printed. It'd just be getting cranked out of a machine, and, you know, it'd be like some kind of stamp. Now, this was such an early kind of homegrown product from 1915 that, yeah, some human being, and I'm, I do decent handwriting analysis. I think it was a woman. I think a woman sat down with a pen, and she wrote... 42, 43, 44, 45, all the way up to 78 on each one of these. And the box, it, it, it it's all original. Uh, it does have a little tape on the bottom, so you can see it started coming apart at some point in the past 103 years, and somebody put a little tape on it. But other than that, it's in quite good condition. And so um, I'm going to shake one of these out right now. And then I'm going to go to the book and tell you what it says. I'm also going to take a picture of this and tweet it so that you can look at this and see more clearly what I'm talking about. All right, so I'm going to shake this thing. I can only shake out one of these, or I have to start over again. Okay, there's one that's coming out. There's a... Oh, there you go. It is number 21. Okay, and then I opened the book up. The little book, they came uh, sort of curled up inside. And then I find number 21. It says, your luck for today. Uh, the number drawn is 21. No day, uh, no day for gain, but lots of fun. Your fortune. The fates decree you're apt to be an heir to land and wealth. But don't depend on this, but work and win success yourself. You'll receive a legacy from an almost unknown and not much respected relative. You will get your wish, but not very soon. Okay, very cryptic, very cryptic. And and to be honest with you, the Yi Jing which can be done with coins, or I even have a Yi Jing card set, I think is much more accurate than this particular Chi Chi game is, because it, I, it's a little too cryptic for me, but it does say, like, sometimes it does say some kind of, like, mean stuff, like, somebody's going to betray you today. Like, here's, here, right in front of me, number uh, 19, it says, Loan no money on this day, if you do, they'll not repay. Um, you know, just like, so... They they do have some stuff um, in here that's kind of doom and gloom, which is always kind of cool, because you're like, oh, this is realistic. This is real life. So anyway, uh, I, what a cool thing for me just to have. I'm, I'm not going to put this in the museum, because it's too old and intricate, and you know, I've got all these 78 sticks, and if somebody just stills one, well, it kind of screws up the whole kit. 
So no, this will be something that I keep uh, for myself, just at my house, and I, I'll do this for my own fun. But that's the kind of thing that I'm interested in. And it doesn't bother me. As a matter of fact, I think it's absolutely amazing that it's old and it's been used. Think of how many people have tried to look into the future or get some sense of the future with this over the past 103 years. Um, even if it's just done as a game. What a cool energy to have, you know? Knowing you have something like this that's original from 1915. So yeah, if you go to um, my Twitter page, I'll post a picture of, of, of this. Um, but, you know, to me... I understand why that some people might be a little creeped out by old objects. I can see why you don't want to necessarily live in some old house. But I think there are certain objects that just get better with time. And whether you are involved with or sensitive to psychometry, or this is just something to do with an appreciation for history, um, I do think that there are certain objects that just become better with age. So, hey, if you have something really cool out there, you know, that you think I might be interested in, you can always contact me and, you know, I'll let you know just straight up, yeah, I'm not interested or I am interested. Um, it's easy to contact me, you know. You go, you go to joshuapwarren.com. There's no period after the P, joshuapwarren.com. And you just scroll down the homepage and you'll find my uh, email address there. Uh, as a matter of fact, at the top of the homepage is a link with information on my big event coming up in October in Los Angeles. And you'll also find a link to this podcast. It's always short. It's always free. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily because I try to leave one for you every single day. And you'll find, uh, again, that link where you can subscribe through various means or just follow me on Twitter, at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and I will tweet when a new one is available. So that's it for today's podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.